In this week's episode, it is August 2022 as we record this episode. And one of the most uh, polarizing search trends is just getting kicked off. And that search trend is people talking about the pumpkin spice latte and all things pumpkin spice. One of the, the more amusing data dives that we do every single year. And today what we wanted to talk about was how do you leverage seasonal data like this, particularly using predictive analytics, especially if you run the risk of, of potentially being late. So before we dive in, I wanted to show you quickly what we see in our data using forecasting software, using predictive analytics software uh, for a basket of terms around pumpkin spice. Here we see all of the major terms, and this is logarithmically scaled. So we see pumpkin spice is the, the top term there, pumpkin spice latte recipe, pumpkin spice cream. If I simplify it into one line, right now, uh, August 7th, the week of August 7th, the search is just beginning. Next week, the August 14th, your search volume almost doubles and so on and so forth until you get to August 28th and September 4th. Those weeks are when pumpkin spice fever is at its highest and it doesn't drop off until uh, really December uh, is when it goes back to normal. So, Katie, when you see data like this, trends that are forecast like this, what should marketers be thinking about? And for those folks who are in, say, the food and beverage industry, is it too late or have they got some time to scramble? You know, when I look at this, the first thing that it occurs to me is, is it a regional thing? Um, so, for example, pumpkin spice being something that's very popular during the fall months. Well, what if you live somewhere where the seasons don't change as much? So, Chris, you and I are based in New England. And so... We have the traditional fall where the, you know, people go leaf peeping and they drink their pumpkin spice lattes and, you know, wear their, you know, down vests and their black leggings and their whatnots. Um, and so my first question when I look at this is, is it the same for every major region of the area that I'm covering for my marketing? So if you're covering the United States, does this trend line look different in the Northeast versus, you know, the Southwest, for example. Uh, we don't have that data in this particular uh, series of stress. We certainly could engineer it. Um, however, we could just do a very quick sanity check. Uh, let's head on over to our friend Google Trends and let's do pumpkin spice latte. And look at the last 12 months. And when we look at sub-regions for the last 12 months, interestingly, uh, Nevada, New Mexico, and Indiana have the highest uh, overall search volumes for the last year for the pumpkin spice latte. The regions where it's weakest are places like Montana, which is unusual because Montana has a beautiful autumn. Um, Vermont, which is really unusual given Vermont has a, a beautiful autumn and stuff like that. Some places like Louisiana, sure, I can understand. There's probably not as much seasonal change. Uh, California is surprisingly high, even though, you know, as David Letterman once joked uh, in Los Angeles, you watch the birds change color and fall off the trees. <clears throat> but the there is this doesn't seem to be a substantial regional difference um, for this particular topic. But I do think that it's interesting, you know, 
understanding your audience. So we're using pumpkin spice as the example. However, you know, you could incorrectly market to your audience because you haven't looked at, well, you know, I'm assuming everybody loves pumpkin spice because we're coming up on fall. But according to this, you know, people in Vermont seem a little less enthusiastic about it than people in New Hampshire. And so if you're doing that geofenced type of advertising, then that's an important differentiation so that you're not wasting money uh, on people who just really don't care about the topic. Yeah, and it is interesting. There are regions here where, like Nevada, I would not expect I would not have expected pumpkin spice lattes to be that much of a search interest in Nevada. Not that there's anything wrong with Nevada, but when I think of Nevada, I think mainly of gigantic desert. Uh, right? There's it is a one really really large desert, and there's not a whole lot of traditional autumn things that happen there. So I, I actually now legitimately curious, this would be a, an entirely separate show on market research about why pumpkin spice latte is such, is the most searched subregion for this particular topic, at least according to Google. Well, and I, I think that that absolutely is something that if you see this in your data as a marketer, the first question you should be asking is that seems a little odd. Why is that? So my first instinct is Maybe Nevada, you know, where Las Vegas is, it's finally cool enough for people from, you know, the East Coast to visit there. And so people who uh, would be celebrating, quote unquote, celebrating fall on the East Coast are going to Nevada to visit. And they're also keeping a lot of those similar, you know, East Coast traditions while they are there. Again, total speculation. I'm just kind of guessing at why this might be happening. Um, we don't really know. It's Reno, the Reno area, which makes sense. That's uh, near Lake Tahoe. So there actually are trees there. <laughs> but the, the point being is, you know, we don't really know why. We're just guessing at this point. And that, you know, Chris and I will tell you, that's not the best way to approach your marketing. Like if you see something like this and, you know, trust that little voice inside that's like, ah, something about this isn't quite right it's a great thing to start researching so that you can really understand. So as we're talking about, you know, understanding these seasonal trends with predictive analytics, this is, you know, whether it's pumpkin spice or B2B marketing or whatever your topic is, you know, just looking at the trends themselves isn't going to be enough to understand the seasonality. So, you know, Chris, I don't know if you know this, but we've been in a pandemic for the past two years. <laughs> um, you know, just in case you weren't aware, that has drastically changed consumer behavior, the way in which people, you know, shop and research and react has all completely changed, partially because of the pandemic, but partially because there's a lot of, you know, new software systems, new social media platforms, you know, things are constantly evolving. So <clears throat> when I think about planning out, you know, my marketing, my seasonal marketing, what are the things that I need to consider if I'm using predictive forecasting and predictive analytics? Well, you know, that's a really interesting question because it means one of the things that you'd probably want to do is get a sense of whether there was a substantial change uh, because of the pandemic. And again, this is where something like Google Trends can be very helpful. If we crank back to the past five years now, um, there's 2017, 2018, 2019, 
2020-2021. What I see here is I do see certainly in 2020, the trend got suppressed. 2021, it was sort of building back up, but it was already on a decline. In 2019, there was less search volume. If we crank this back, let's crank this back even further. Let's go back um, to 2004, right? You can see there's a multi-year sort of decline. It's mm -hmm. you know, kind of in a, a stable plateau, but really it was uh, the, the talk of everything back in 2015. What I think is interesting, though, is that you don't see the pandemic years being, you know, as far <laughs> looking like 2010, for example, where you know very little happened. So this trend seems to have been sort of sticking around, which means that from a, a seasonality perspective, the volume will be different, but you can be reasonably sure the trend is is stable, right? It's it's something where um, you can probably bank on it until you see it really drop off. Let's take a, a look at an example like a holiday gift guide, right? That's a, uh, a pretty straightforward trend. Let's go ahead and remove pumpkin spice. Actually, let's change that to gift guide. A gift guide. Let's remove pumpkin spice. We see pretty stable trend. Pretty, you can see over time around the holidays it, this is the united states so you know your mileage will vary depending on your locality but every year pretty solid uh repeatable like it looks like a heartbeat it looks like an, an ecg you know it's uh, every year boom 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 so if you were using predictive analytics you would say from a seasonality and cyclicality perspective yeah you can pre you can bank on those results now suppose you would take something like clubhouse right uh, the app and let's switch this back just the last five years. There you see that blip, right? And then, boom, it's gone. So from this perspective, there isn't a there there anymore, right? So if you were thinking like, oh, maybe we, that we should you know, try that clubhouse thing now that you know, it's been proven, uh, this case studies, yeah, well, <laughs> there are case studies, but they're also out of date because this thing is over and done with. The trend is gone. And because of that, there's no more seasonality. There's no more cyclicality. You cannot rely on this trend date anymore. So let me ask you this question. Um, it's almost kind of like a which comes first. Um, are consumers looking for something because brands are basically telling them to start looking for it or are brands reacting to consumers looking for the thing? So for example, you know, a gift guide, we can, you know, make some uh you know assumptions that well people probably start looking in october and then we look at google trends and it's like oh yeah people start searching in october is that something that brands can influence to make it start even earlier by pushing out their marketing even earlier or are people still just going to stick to their trends because that's what it's shown us for the past 14 years it depends it depends um because there are practical limits to how far you can push a sale. Um, the holidays seem to have gotten slightly earlier. So let's go look, go back to gift guide. And let's take a look at our last uh, decades here. Oh, this is now monthly data. We don't want monthly data. We want weekly data. So let's take a look at five years. So, we see gift guide searches really start to, to crank up a little bit here around uh, end of October, it, back in 2017. Uh, same about end of October in, in 2018. 
uh, end of October 2019. 2020 was kind of an anomaly for a variety of reasons, but you do see a bit of an earlier start there, but it's not huge. 2021, um, again, you see that sort of earlier ramp up. So it seems like it's getting a little bit more of a, of a gradual ramp through October. And then you obviously you see the things move up. But it really depends on the audience and how well you can how well the audience follows you if you are the category leader. This is one of those things where it's very challenging to to look at search volume uh, alone because it's you can't t- see why something happens, right? So like B2B marketing as a trend, there's you know that data is just kind of a hot mess. Um, when you go down to the five-year level, there's not a clear answer as to like when does this thing really, really pop. It's it's much more. It's not a time of year. It's periods of time within the year that that is more popular. But I think that that's a really good point. Is that understanding seasonal trends with predictive analytics is something you absolutely can do, but it's only part of the story. So predictive analytics is going to tell you what to do or what is happening, but it's not going to tell you why. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if we go back to that example of pumpkin spice, you know, it's not going to tell you why it's more popular in uh, New Hampshire versus Vermont. I mean, maybe there's like, you know, better leaf peeping in Vermont uh, or in New Hampshire, for example, you know, we don't know the answer to that question. And so if you're only using predictive analytics to build out your marketing campaigns, you may very well be missing the mark. Because let's say, you know, people start looking for pumpkin spice latte in, you know, whatever time frame it is, like in August, because they hate it so much, they want to make sure they avoid all the ingredients in it. That's the opposite of what you're trying to accomplish. So it doesn't tell you enough of the story in order to just blindly say, okay, it's going to trend. So let me just put something around it. Right. Well, and then that's where, when you think about the hierarchy of analytics, that's where you make that transition from descriptive analytics to diagnostic analytics, where you go from the what to the why. Why is this thing trending? And for a lot of organizations, the ability to have market research within uh, the organization is really challenging. It's it's challenging, A, because it's its own profession, and B, it is, as our friend Tom Webster says, reassuringly expensive if you want to do it right. Like, yeah, anybody can throw out a survey monkey form, but you're not going to get the type of representative sampling and good question design things. Um, you, it's just probably not going to happen if you're just winging it and you're not a market research professional. So unpacking the why of a trend <clears throat> is almost one of those things that you have to do in between looking at your descriptive data, looking at why, and then doing your predictive, which is why predictive analytics is step three on the hierarchy of analytics. Uh, After you do the diagnostic, you probably should not go from descriptive to predictive immediately and skip over the diagnostic analytics. Because if you do, to your point, you won't know why somebody is searching for something. So you don't know if your forecast is forecasting the right thing or not. So for those who aren't familiar with the hierarchy of, you know, data as Chris is describing, so the first step is what happens. So that could be your website analytics, your, your Google analytics, your Adobe analytics. Um, you know, what happened? Did people come to the website? Did they stop coming to the website? You know, are people signing up for our stuff? Did they want the free trial? So that's sort of step one. That's the foundation of your analysis and any sort of marketing strategy is what 
happened. The next step is why did it happen? So that's the diagnostic that Chris is talking about. So this is where you would want to do some of that market research, some of that behavioral data, you know, um, why does somebody keep coming to the site? Well, they said that they really like the color blue and my website is blue. So they keep coming back to the website or I've polled my community or I've done some of that surveying. So I understand why this po this product over here is super popular and this product over here is not super popular. Even though, you know, people are coming to the website, it looks like they're coming to both, you know, product pages. One's getting abandoned at a higher rate. So those are the kinds of things that you would want to pair descriptive and diagnostic with. And that's what Chris is saying, where predictive is step three, where if you don't understand what's happening and why it's happening, trying to market against the trends, the seasonal trends with predictive analytics is not going to work very well because you're still just guessing because you don't know, is this the thing that my audience wants or is this just sort of a, what the general population wants? How is it relevant to me? How is it relevant to my company? How is it relevant to my community? You need to answer all those questions first. Exactly. So when we talk, when we're looking at our pumpkin spice data, then Katie, based on what you're seeing, um, both for the terms themselves and the overall trend, if you were trying to create content about pumpkin spice, say like our annual pumpkin spice uh, data dive, uh, what should you do? What, what's, what are your next steps? Well, if I'm doing it on behalf of Trust Insights, then I know that my audience is not consumer driven. So we're not selling pumpkin spice lattes. So if I'm creating content that says, here's a pumpkin spice recipe, here's how to create yours at home, or here's where to find the best pumpkin spice latte, I'm creating the wrong kind of content because I then don't understand my audience. So that's my first and foremost task is I need to make sure I understand what the purpose of this content is. And so for the Trust Insights audience, using a topic like pumpkin spice or cheese or something is almost kind of universal in the sense that people understand it. It's not a topic that's hard to wrap your head around. It gives us the opportunity to demonstrate our capabilities with predictive analytics using a topic that everybody is familiar with versus talking about something a heck of a lot more complex and probably like a six syllable word that nobody can spell. We're using something that's, you know, basically general population friendly in order to demonstrate. And here's how Trust Insights can create a predictive forecast that you as a marketer can then go ahead and use for yourself. Mm -hmm. One of the other things that's interesting is that is when you're pulling data like this and then something brand new appears. Um, that you didn't expect that is uh, hijacking the theme in some way. And then the question is, what do you do about it? Um, here's an example. This is something that's brand new to the charts this year. It is something called the pumpkin spice squishmallow. Now, uh, <laughs> I mean, you just um, put a bunch of words together that sound terrible. The pumpkin spice squishmallow is not a pumpkin spice product. It is a toy. It is a toy that is being marketed among other places at Target. It's a 14-inch plush toy that has sort of like memory foam on the inside. Um, that is, uh, you know, some people really like these things, but it is a new entrant to the term. And yet, 
when we were looking at our keyword volumes that that power our predictive forecast it's like the fourth or fifth largest term in the category it is is brand new it is uh is something that has does not exist previously and so the question that we have to ask ourselves then as marketers is is this relevant is this something you know what do we take away from this now to your point katie again we're not selling coffee um to our audience of marketers we're not selling um uh, recipes and things we are selling data analysis mm -hmm. so from our perspective creating content around the pumpkin spice squish mallow itself might not necessarily be you know all that informative but illustrating how to handle when a when a topic gets hijacked um, mm -hmm. or when there's a new entrant a new trend that you spot that wasn't there previously that might be because again this is this is relatively new to the market and as you can see on a major retailer it's already sold out you can't get this thing um so what do you do well i mean you can if you're uh, uh selling shopping stuff you can help consumers obviously try and find the thing that's sold out uh if you're an enterprising entrepreneur you can try and source it yourself and then resell it at, you know egregious markups to people uh <laughs> but from a data analytics perspective We've got a brand new entrant. We've got something we don't know what to do with. So what we have to do is switch from predictive analytics uh, back down to descriptive analytics, but in close to real time to say, okay, what does this trend look like over the last seven days or 30 days or things like that? Because it's new. We don't have any previous seasonal behavior to model, uh, but we do see that this thing is really, really hot culturally. And we need to figure out how to t advise a company. When you see a trend pop up this fast, you've got to be really agile and jump on it. So the first thing I would do is I would look to my social listening tools and figure out what are the conversations about this thing? Um, because if it's starting to trend with Google search, it's likely that people saw conversation about it elsewhere. So starting to track down that conversation about a squish mallow pumpkin spice thing, you know, <laughs> it's probably, you know, I'm guessing, you know, and we can look at social listening tools, but maybe it's something that, you know, a popular social media influencer said, this is the hot toy of the season. And now everybody wants the thing because they weren't previously aware of it. So where did that awareness come from? Where did the trend for you know, all intents and purposes, originate. And so what is the conversation about it? Are people like, oh, this is a really cool thing, or I'm gonna give this as a gag gift, or my dog would love this, or you know, I am so completely and irrationally obsessed with pumpkin spice everything that I have to have it, so I bought all of them to decorate my house with. Who knows? But I would start to use social listening tools to start to understand why there's an emerging trend. And when we look, you know, you do have influencers saying, you know, snag one of these while you can. They're going fast. Orange only. There's the, um, what I find very interesting, though, is when we do look at, at some of the social listening data, this apparently was a thing last year. Right. Uh, if I go into our the, the key metrics here, um, there is social conversation from last summer that um, and they just, you know, tapered off and obviously is now beginning to recur reoccur. That wasn't in our search data. Right? Right. This has not been in our search data. This was not in search data from last year. We've been tracking this trend for th three and a half, almost four years now. So this is a this is very interesting because it was it, it was there from a social listening perspective a year before it showed up in search. 
And I think that that's a really uh, interesting takeaway is that, you know, we've been talking about, you know, using predictive analytics to understand your seasonal trends. But predictive analytics can't tell you everything, especially if it didn't happen in the place in which you're using predictive forecasting. So we were using Google search data. Chris, to your point, you just demonstrated that's not where people were finding out about this thing. They weren't randomly, you know, Googling pumpkin spice squishmallow. It started as something last year that was, you know, conversational and Target was probably like, oh, this is popular. We should probably bring it back. And now people are like, oh, remember this thing from last year? Here it is again. And this is very strange. And here's here's why it's not showing up in search, right? Your engagement over an entire year's time is only twenty five hundred engagements, right? That is a small amount of engagement. This is not a this is not a high flying trend. Again, that's why it didn't show up in search data either. And yet, when you go to the retailer site, sold out, right? So the product is gone, can't get it. So my question then becomes. Where is this conversation happening? If it's it's not huge in social media, right? It's not like Cardi B retweeted it and now there's a hundred million engagements on it. It's it, it's not. It's not showing up in search volume. It, it showed up in search volume for the first time this year from last year, but this has been a this trend has been sleeping, or actually say we have been sleeping on this trend for over a year. Where is it happening? And I think this is where we start to get into very interesting conversations about dark social media, about conversations that all of our public marketing data tools cannot see, mm-hmm. right? There could very well have been a million conversations on Discord about this. We can't see any of that because Discord is not publicly indexed. It's just not available there. It could be on TikTok, and a lot of tools are still not able to get the data out of TikTok videos themselves. We can see the captions. We can, we're not seeing the, the that stuff. Um, we're not really seeing it you know, in YouTube and stuff. So if you are looking for trends, if you're looking for the next big thing, where the heck is this happening? Yeah, that, I mean, I feel like that's an open-ended question because <clears throat> we, with the tools that we have available, we don't know. We can't get to that answer. And so that is sort of the, it's one of the so what's of understanding your seasonal trends with predictive analytics. Predictive analytics may not be giving you the full picture. It's a really good analysis and a really good tool for setting up your marketing strategy, but not on its own. You need other complementary data to better understand the seasonal trends. Um, you know, and social listening is a great place to start, but social listening also has its limitations. And so, you know, really what it keeps boiling back to is understanding your audience and where they spend their time. And so just because pumpkin spice squishmallows are trending doesn't mean that we trust insights need to hop on it or even reference it in any of our content because it's not relevant to our particular audience. Exactly. When we look at some of the basic demographic data, from, again, from what's publicly available, this is a radically different audience than the audience we typically talk to, right? We're talking, at, this is an audience that is uh, anywhere between 85 and 87% identifying as female and really young. Like we're talking under 25 uh, in a lot of cases. I would bet you if I were to go into a couple of Discord services I'm in where there's a lot of younger folks and reference the pumpkin spice squishmallow, I would bet I'm going to get a huge reaction. And then I'm going to get, oh, I've wanting one of these, or I've been looking for these, or hey, do you know where I know couldn't buy one of these things? And if we bring it up for discussion, say in our analytics for marketers Slack, 
I bet you this could be a whole bunch of what? <laughs> what are you even talking about? Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's, you know, we always say use predictive analytics with a grain of salt. It is just one of many tools that you can use to plan out your marketing. But using it on its own is probably not the best idea because it doesn't tell you why something is happening or if it's even really relevant to your customers. Now, the flip side of that is if you're doing predictive forecasting on your own data from your own customers, that's a different conversation altogether. But if you're just using something like Google search data, then you're not able to narrow it down to enough of the customer profile that you're going after. So definitely use it um, with caution. Use your best judgment. This has me now thinking, I wonder if there, if the topic in general, not the pumpkin spice thing, um, but the topic in general is uh, a, a, another trend that so I just typed in Squishmallow, right? And again, we're seeing in terms of who this audience is, very young, lean, strongly female. Uh, let's take a look at our, our general stuff. And while it's thinking about that, let's switch over to uh, our Google Trends. And let's go into our five-year view. This is interesting. So now we have this sort of this is our thirteen-month view uh, again. You know, this is this is now real conversation. We're talking about one point four million engagements, right? Uh, more positive than negative. Uh, hundreds of thousands of results. Let's take a look at uh, who's talking about this thing. When we see in Google search, twenty twenty is when this thing became a thing, right? It's we, we, it, The term really didn't exist before then. And suddenly, it's a big thing. And if I had to, to hazard a guess, and this is you know, purely guesswork at this point, like here's Valentine's Day, right? 2021, huge. Um, here are the holidays. So there's probably guess, different versions. Yes. Oh, yeah. There, there's tons of different versions. There's uh, like Target has a whole line of these things because one of my kids love the, loves these things. If oh. I had to guess, and this is pure guesswork, so if you make corporate decisions based on this, <clears throat> don't blame us. Um, but this is looking like it's going to be one of the breakout toys for the holiday season this coming year, right? When we're talking about a trend that keeps going and going and going. Um, at YouTube driving, YouTube and TikTok driving. And in this case, I think it's very interesting. Not only is it TikTok, but it's actually Target's TikTok uh, mm -hmm. handle. is it, It's one of their their um, product lines. If you're if you're Target, I would be putting a big old bet on this this line of products for the holiday season and and, and stuff. And if you are a marketer, um, figure out how to manufacture a similar toy, especially if like if you are running B two B. Uh, and you're looking for giveaways for your trade show booth for upcoming shows. If you can get the supply chain stuff worked out, bringing that home from a trade show is going to be an instant win with your kids. So as we start to wrap up sort of the so what of understanding seasonal trends with predictive analytics, you know, we've kind of we've kind of gone a little bit all over the place. But really <laughs> what it boils down to is use predictive analytics, use Google Trends to understand is there any kind of seasonality to a search? You know, for when you looked up B2B marketing, not a whole lot of seasonality, just lots of like, you know, peaks and valleys. So that was not a great term to understand the seasonality of. 
Whereas there may be other terms like, you know, um, marketing strategy templates or those kinds of things that you can make guesses and then confirm with your data that there is probably some seasonality probably once a quarter or twice a year at the beginning and end of fiscal seasons. Um, you know, so use the predictive analytics to understand that, but then don't stop there. Couple that with your own descriptive analytics, your own, um, you know, market research and customer feedback. Look at your own social listening tools on topics you care about. Because in this example, like Squishmallow is not going to make or break what Trust Insights does. But to your point, Chris, for a different company, it could. And so for us, it's a trend that we can ignore when it comes back as the seasonal thing. So for us, we're good. But for other companies, that may not be uh, the thing because you've looked at both predictive analytics and social listening and you've confirmed this thing's not going away, at least not this year. Exactly. And I think the, the third thing is, as we demonstrated, you have to combine all these approaches, especially when you've got a new entrant. When you've got something new and you're questioning, is this going to be a thing or not? Uh, if you're trying to say, like, is this trend going to be a thing or not? Using a combination of tools and approaches is how you start to determine that. You know, we, when we start looking at this, this pumpkin spice squishmallow, that led us down the road of squishmallows in general and going, oh, this is kind of a big deal among a very specific audience. Generally speaking, if it's something that is not super niche, it's going to spread. Right? That will become a thing that well, parents will be talking about. Obviously, if your kids are asking for it, your parent, your, the parents will be talking about it and so on and so forth. So if you can find, you again, using the approach that we used today in this episode in your own data, you may be able to, to spot a breakout trend in your data and be ahead of your competitors, be ahead of the market, um, be, you know, whether it's establishing thought leadership or just selling stuff. Um, this is one of the approaches to use. Uh, so I'm going to go out and buy some Squishmallows and <laughs> it's the holiday season and sell them on eBay. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to stay here with my Jomo. <laughs> um, if you have Squishmallow plans for that, no, <laughs> if you have comments or questions about trends and identifying trends and predictive analytics and you want to talk about it, pop on over to our free Slack group. Go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers where you and over 2,500 uh, marketers are asking and answering each other's questions every single day. And wherever it is that you're watching or listening to this show, if there's a platform you'd rather have it on, go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast where you can find the show on pretty much any other place. Hmm, what about an analytics squishmallow? Anyway, <laughs> thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next time. Thank <laughs> you.